it's given us confidence to project that vision, work out how we can get there, implement it, get it done, and then end up with a product that does sell for the sort of money that we thought it might. You're listening to the She Renovates podcast. You're listening to She Renovates, the podcast for women who want to renovate to create an income and a life they love. Well, hello, everyone. It's Bernadette back with another episode of She Renovates. So I've got Matt and Carolyn here today. Matt and Carolyn got married straight after they did the boot camp and they were set on changing their property journey using renovating. So Matt is an architect based in Newcastle. He has that skill, but most architects, excluding David, of course, a lot of architects aren't really willing to look outside their field to see if there's education out there that will make a difference. And that's where I think Matt is quite smart in that he has been willing to be open-minded about it. And so I'm really curious to really talk to you about what your journey has been like and whether you've achieved the results you wanted to, what impact it's had on your first four years of married life. Before we start, Matt, do you want to just share a little bit about your business, what you do in Newcastle? Like you said, I'm a local architect in Newcastle, registered, and I've been living here since I came up to study from Sydney in 1991 and fell in love with the place. I could see the potential of Newcastle. Back in the early 90s, it was completely undervalued, I think. And we are now in a position in Newcastle where other people have seen the potential and realised that. So that's why I stayed in Newcastle and started my own practice. It was a lot easier to get a foothold in the industry, get to know people, network and implement my architectural skills with builders and clients. I come from a building background. My father was a builder and I did study some engineering at Wollongong. So having that sort of background, I've tried to implement the practical side of building with all of the theory and the practice within the architecture school at Newcastle to come up with an approach that is somewhat proactive in terms of delivering a product that is buildable and affordable. So I like to get builders, introduce them to potential clients early on in the stage of design so that they can start to have a bit of a relationship and see if they can work together and also make sure that the, the project is in line with their budget. So I think Newcastle is really good in that term, in those terms that you can get to know people and your reputation can proceed yourself, but it's important to keep that networking going. And that's basically how I've survived as an architect. And that's interesting. So do you lecture at the university? I did lecture in the past for a number of years there, and that was really good to be involved with passing on information and knowledge to the next generation of architects. So I'm dedicated to my practice now. So I work entirely as a sole practitioner, and we've been looking at our projects and thinking about how do we achieve our goals within 
things such as the guidelines for development and the pragmatics of how do you achieve those goals, how do you build the thing, construct it. So, yeah, university was a good lesson because it kept me engaged with the next generation. It was very inspiring, really. Well, that's excellent. So we've got a bit of where you're from. What about you, Carolyn? I work full-time. I work for a marketing agency in Newcastle and I've been in marketing for quite a number, quite a few years, but I have had for a long time a, a strong interest and passion for interior design and like many of your students, I watch all the design programs and devour those. Eventually, we our path would see me hopefully transition away from full-time work and into more of a project management role with our renos, but that's still a long-term plan yet to be (laughs) implemented. Let's see where you're at. You might be closer than you think. (laughs) So tell me, so when you first came through, you each had a home and I think you had another one as well. Is that correct? Yeah, so we had three between us when we met. So we were very fortunate in that respect. So one of those was a small two-bedroom unit in Mayfield. One was a cottage in Carrington, two bedrooms. And the third is a house in Maryville, which is a four-bedroom home, I think you would probably say at this point in time. Fortunately for us, we did have those properties in our portfolios and they had also appreciated in value. So for us working starting on those properties was pretty low risk. So we decided after the School of Renovating that we would start with the smallest project first. And so we started with the unit in Mayfield. So there was various constraints around that because it's a unit, but we replaced the kitchen, we replaced the bathroom and basically did a cosmetic reno throughout. So that was in 2018. And so was that to hold, to rent out? It had been rented, but we decided that after the renovation that we would sell it. So we put it on the market and we looked at the figures. We used the School of Renovating Feasibility Spreadsheet and basically took a snapshot of the value before we started work on it and then used that to measure our budget against and our projected profit from that. According to that spreadsheet, we made a profit on that project once we came to sell it. That profit has gone into our renovation bucket, which we then were able to use on the next project, which is the one that we just sold in Carrington, that we did that in 2019-2020. Okay, and that was a unit again, was it? A house. So it was a freestanding house, a little um, miner's cottage, you'd call it. Again, two bedrooms, one bathroom. We replaced the kitchen. We replaced the bathroom. It was a slightly larger project in that we swapped the position of the kitchen. So we traded the kitchen and dining room positions because there was a bigger dining room and a much, much smaller kitchen. We were able to changed the layout there quite a bit, which added a good deal of value in the end. It also meant that the dining room then flowed out onto a back deck, which we created and was a really nice aspect out to the back of the property there as well. Yeah, uh, that one went really well as well. Again, we took a snapshot at the time of just prior to renovation 
and were able to to make a profit on that one as well. So, so when that money's gone into the bucket. <laughs> so when you say took a snapshot, you mean got a valuation. Yeah. And and I know yep. we always do you mind sharing what your profits were or can you remember? Because we all love numbers. Yeah. So it was around fifty thousand dollar profit on the first one. Yep. And the second one was more around seventy thousand. Great. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. So that's given us a nice little chunk to move on to project number three. Okay. And have you started project number three? It's in the pipeline. (laughs) Okay. um, So is this your house, your family home? Yeah. It will be. Yeah. Okay. Currently it's tenanted. Okay. We live in a unit that we bought off plan seven years ago, six years ago, and we'll eventually move into the house once it's completed and that will be our forever home. Okay, beautiful, beautiful. I did a lot of work on the first two, particularly Matt, who was there virtually every day on tools um, and directing tradies. This time we've engaged a builder who will obviously bring his own tradies with him. This is a complete transformation. We're knocking the back off the house, adding another story at the back. So, yeah, it's a much bigger project for us. Wow. We've got more confidence now because of the two that we yeah. did before to be able to take this one on. We've, we're confident in our ability to yeah. oversee this yeah. one. It's yeah. really funny because I was saying something to David. We did the place at Bondi with him and we're doing this little place in Darlinghurst at the moment. And he had gone over, I think, to set up for demolition and he really didn't do what, I'd expected him to do to prepare, like in terms of the protecting the common areas and all that sort of stuff. And I had a go at him and he said, mum, you've got to realise that in a normal project, I don't have this level of involvement. I don't build because that's not my role. And I Mm. thought, actually, yeah, you're right. So it's really interesting. I personally thought it might have been an absolute walk in the park, but obviously it's a different skill set. How has it been for you as a couple? If we go back to the first project, which was the unit, that was a real testing ground to see how we would work together as a couple. And if it hadn't worked, if we'd have been arguing every day, we probably wouldn't have gone on to do any more. But we both slipped into our own kind of roles based on our strengths and what we can bring to each project. So obviously Matt's skill set is very different to mine. He can see the big picture. He thinks about functionality, you know, the orientation of the property. And then I look at at other things, colour schemes, tile choices. I could spend all day looking at those things. And I also look after the budgeting, which is one of my strong suits as well. So we both found our niche and, yeah, that's allowed us to work quite well together. That's really good. That's an aspect of the project where we could become quite passionate about. And it really helps that Caroline can visualise she's got great spatial awareness so when we talked about various aspects of each project we understood one another you can do some drawings in 3d and and then you're talking about the same issues and coming to an agreement based on a full appreciation of what the implications are in terms of buildability what's the outcome how do people move through the space how does that how how does the light get into the room what does it feel like what does it look out onto? Are there trees? Is there landscaping? So you can take that approach 
with every aspect of a house. And it's really great to be working with someone who appreciates that level of thought. That's really interesting too. The other thing that is really worth pointing out is that's powered by passion and natural inclination, which a lot of women have, but don't realise the potential of it. Yeah. And I think too, it's great to do as a couple, because as you would know, it becomes all consuming. You really are chopping up your veggies for dinner and talking about various aspects of the project, or should we choose this? What about that trading? This section of the project's running late. We need to pick up the pace on on that. Even last night after dinner, we sat down and we were looking at vanities. It's just, it, it just, so being able to share that with your partner is great. It is. And it's really important to have common interests. Although I have the problem that our youngest child in particular, if we talk about renovations at the dinner table, because everyone's renovating, she says <laughs> she puts a ban on conversations over renovating, which is not good. So, but I know how to fix that because she's just got a job. She's first out of uni. And as soon as she's been there long enough to get a loan, she and I are going and doing a project. And nice. she'll get way more interested once yeah. she sees there's a current at the end of it. So, yeah. Once you have a vested interest in something, your attitude changes. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. Certainly with kids, I know with Hannah, she was always shares, shares, shares until she did her first reno. And now we're doing another one. She's renovating her own house. So we've managed to corrupt them all, I guess. <laughs> so I'm really interested in the fact that Carolyn's interested in replacing her income once that's over what will be the next project so we have been discussing that in over the last probably three four weeks we've actually been talking to a financial planner we've been talking to an accountant and a mortgage broker just to try and set a plan in place because as I said earlier on having the three properties that we've renovated already in our portfolio. We hadn't had to think about how we purchased them, what sort of structure we might buy them in and that sort of thing. So we're trying to set the wheels in motion now and put plans in place about how we go about purchasing the next property. What does it look like? So far, we're thinking that we would like to buy something still locally that we would renovate and then hold possibly do we would like to do and it may determine whether we can or we cannot but we're actually thinking about even looking at places that are basically knocked down and rebuild and maybe if the land size was big enough maybe a duplex or something like that on there because that obviously would make best use of, of Matt's architectural skills even buying an older property that we renovate and then hold is an option for us as well so we thought over the next few years while I'm still working and interest rates are low our, our earning capacity is still high it's a good time to buy and hold leverage the properties to to be able to borrow more once we do the, the finish the next project which is the the house that we're going to be living in we should be able to draw down on the equity that we've accrued in that to help us along in that journey so over the next five years it's probably going to be a phase of buy renovate and hold and then after that if I can start to transition away from work it might be buy renovate and flip and I just do that part-time or full-time so if I can put my two bobs worth in, 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> I would I, I would look at properties that have renovation potential on big blocks, but where you can renovate the house and sell it off mm-hmm. and you've got the block to build your duplex on. You could keep all three, but sometimes that sort of binds you up in terms of your borrowing capacity to move on. But that way you're increasing your equity quickly and the Mm. other thing is you're keeping the new properties so you're not you're you know doesn't matter how well you renovate it's never going to compare with new doesn't have the same depreciation particularly if you're new so that might be something that you think about I personally think that if I was in your shoes that would be the way I was heading especially that you've got Matt because he can play such a big part in that in that process in terms of the subdivision I definitely think it would get you to where you want to go much quicker yeah sounds good thanks yeah Yeah, the Charmer Street team who've just we've just finished that, they're talking about heading Newcastle Way because we're just seeing so many great deals. We're thinking Newcastle or Wollongong, but yeah, I definitely want to go for something that's got a land component in it. Particularly Newcastle's okay, but if you're in an area that you don't really know, you're just talking about a house or a, an apartment, you haven't got much leeway if things go a little bit pear-shaped so by having that like stacking that other strategy on board it's like a little insurance policy but of course you need to know what you're doing which you have the advantage that you've got the expert in the house yeah so what do you think the net effect of your renovating journey has been in terms of how you feel about what you do sorry about the noise they're doing some work (laughs) Outside there, Newcastle bustling. Very appropriate. Newcastle, I just love, I think it probably does have a little bit of a detrimental effect because now a lot of the houses are on such tiny blocks. But I love the way they're so progressive around development. It's really great for us. So to answer your question, just remind me what the question was. (laughs) What has been the impact of you turning to renovating to, I guess, to enrich your property journey? I think the confidence in almost each of us had a strategy before we started buying houses. Yeah. And we bought in areas that we thought as individuals would be up and coming. We bought them at the time when those suburbs didn't have much appeal at all. That's why the properties were cheaper. Yeah. And we've taken that approach as to, where do we want to end up? What does our market want to buy? So it's given us confidence to project that sort of vision, work out how we can get there, implement it, get it done, and then end up with a product that does sell for the sort of money that we thought it might. And also we were able to stick to those numbers. So it's given us confidence that we can now have confidence that we, we plan for the future and we know how to get there and we can achieve those goals. That makes my heart sing. Yeah. (laughs) Gives me goosebumps. It's awesome. I think I have asked you everything I need to ask you. Is there anything else you want to say? If you're in Newcastle and need an architect, give me a call. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Listen, thank you so much for being on the podcast. You are going to be invaded by School of Renovating Students because we've got quite a few that are heading your way. We've Ah, already got some there. Yeah, we've got quite several that have already done projects, successfully done projects there. So we're really making our mark on the Newcastle landscape, which is really nice. Yeah, And it's a lovely city. You're very lucky to be there. 
Okay, so that's it for today. Now, if you haven't already done so, please come over to iTunes and leave us a review. Give us any suggestions that you would like for future episodes and we will be so grateful. We read them all and we are so appreciative of you making the effort. So thank you. This is the She Renovates podcast. To discover how to harness the power of renovating, check out theschoolofrenovating.com.